You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. Welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markstone. I'm the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, thank you for making the show part of your day. I hope you enjoy it. As you are listening to this, the Saints squad has made its way away from England and over to France for its second uh, and final training camp ahead of a few more preseason matches before the season kicks off in just a few weeks. I think we're over the disappointing result uh, at Derby County last weekend, um, not the showing we would have liked. Um, and, and I'll talk about that and the signings and take a lot of your listener questions uh, with this week's guest, Blake Hampton. He's on Twitter at Blake A. Hampton. And this week uh, I asked him, he's coached in the past and I asked him point blank, you know, what is, what, what do we really take from this? Is, is the result at Derby County really uh, that big of a deal? And if so, what, are we missing in the squad and what's going to have to happen uh, for us to be ready to take on uh, the Premier League season? And uh, I asked him all these questions before Mark Hughes came out and made a statement um, that in order for really for the club to to sign anybody else, uh, people are going to have to be sold first. And I think a lot of us knew that and Blake kind of hinted at that, that he didn't think uh, that that all that would happen um, unless we got rid of some, of some people. But uh, just keep that in mind that we spoke uh, before Mark Hughes actually made that statement. So, uh, j- just keep that in mind. And in addition to doing all that, uh, I just want to say thank you for, uh, sending in all of the questions, people on Instagram, on the Instagram story with a little que- ask a question thing. Uh, that was the easiest way to get questions in. It seems, uh, I got a lot of questions that way. I think we addressed them all. There's maybe one that we didn't know how to answer, but at least we talked about it. So, um, if it ever happens where I ask for questions that way, we don't get to answer them. I'll be sure to answer them. Um, on the Instagram story, but this week we didn't have to do that because I think we addressed them all. So um, anyway, we'll talk about uh, our three word match reviews. We'll talk your questions. We'll talk about uh, the result and the squad and all of that with Blake Hampton uh, in just a moment. But before we do that, I just wanted to say I'm very excited. Um, Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram has redone the logo for the show uh, and we'll be putting it up uh, in just a few weeks. I'm really excited about that. Uh, but I wanted to mention that. So Matt has done the logo for the show from the very beginning. Uh, if you're not following him on on Instagram, be sure to do that. It's We Are Southampton on Instagram. The link is in the show notes. Be sure to do that. You'll get all the full credits after. For now, here's my conversation with Blake Hampton, and I hope you have a great day. We'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Blake Hampton. He's on Twitter at Blake A. Hampton, and he's been here a few times, but uh, joining me to talk a little bit about uh, the match that was uh, Derby County, if you want to call it a match, or the second half kind of got out of hand, but 
Um, here to talk about that and kind of everything that's been going on in the transfer window and, and things surrounding Saints and answer questions, of course, uh, is Blake. So, uh, Blake, welcome back and thanks for joining me. Matt, it is always a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. How are you doing? I'm good. It is warm. I've been playing hide and go seek for the past two hours with the new neighbors and my kids. And it's um, at some point I looked up and I was the only adult that was playing. I figured the other ones would get involved, but it was just me. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm done. Uh, so now I'm, I'm, it's, it's warm and I've shut all the fans off so we can hear each other. Um, so in about an hour, uh, it should be nice and sweltering in here and I'll be miserable. But until then, I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm, I'm not bad. I, I'm on cloud nine right now. I was able to get out of uh, going to see Mama Mia with my fiance and the in-laws. Um, so that, that took about a miracle and a half. So um, yeah, I, I get it though. It's about a hundred degrees here. Oh, and uh, yeah, and then about 70% humidity, you walk outside and it feels like you're in a swimming pool. So um, I, I just stay inside. Yeah, I know we're, we're, uh, we're not that bad. It's not that bad here, but it's just uns- unusual for us um and my kids were very disappointed that i made them go outside they just wanted to play Fortnite all day i'm like nah, go. Uh, <laughs> well that's the that, that's the beauty about having dogs instead of instead of kids is uh we, we we really get to decide what they what they do rather than the other way around yeah so. <laughs> yeah it's all right um so i don't know so we have quite a few um questions for today's show um mostly coming from instagram which is complete change from how it normally is uh usually twitter is is the source of those things but um that new feature on instagram we can have people ask you a question and then people spam their stories answering them um that you know we just have people ask and then we'll we'll answer them and if we don't get to some of them um i will answer them on instagram so we'll try to address all those but um we have that we have you know um, people going out we have before going out on loan uh Carrillo's out on loan those are two kind of record signings so we'll talk about all that but uh, we will talk about um, the, the the friendly today that we had against Derby County. Um, I think you and I both paid the five pounds to to watch it. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, I was like, like five pounds seems a bit. I don't want to complain because I didn't drive there. I didn't like you know. I didn't. I'm sure that the price of admission is more than that. I don't want to complain, but I'm like five pounds for one game. That that is, you know, it was like eight bucks, that's, seven that's bucks. Good. Like, That's good business on their end, to be honest. They, I mean, we, we ended up paying it uh, out of the desperation of being all the way over here across the pond. So uh, that's a good business move on their end. It, yeah. And they, I mean, they, they made it easy. They, they, yep. It wasn't very many clicks. If it would have been more, <laughs> I might have stayed away. But uh, they, made it, they made it pretty easy. So uh, I, can't, I can't fault them too, too much. Um, but at the end of the game, uh, before we, we get into it, we, uh, I asked people to give me their kind of three-word responses, uh, their three-word match summaries, and something we've been trying to do, um, usually associated with the number of minutes of stoppage time. That's how many words we get to describe the match. But uh, there was no stoppage time today, so I just went with the number of goals. Um, mine was just better by Burnley, because mm-hmm. I think we will be. I hope we will be. Um, that's the goal at this point. Um, but I want to read you some of them and then I'll have you give me yours. Um, so Luke Stevens, uh, says preseason friendly, basically because people were freaking out and Twitter kind of went into an uproar. It was kind of funny. Um, (laughs) and then, uh, Jason Lawrence says, please don't overreact. I'm not going to read this one because it contains some language that is not suitable, um, for the podcast. Daniel Gregory says, we're doomed. He did it via GIF. That was great. Um, Swiss Saint says yellow usually loses, and I hope that's not true because our away jerseys are yellow. Um, 
and they look good. Uh, we we just didn't. Uh, Lloyd Collins says it doesn't matter. Um, Saints World FC says defensively we're awful. Um, Lucy Hynett says defense must improve. Uh, Caroline Emerson, we need Yoshi. Uh, Joe says <laughs> that's not good. Uh, <laughs> if, that, if, if that's what we're claiming, clamoring for is Yoshida. <laughs> Same old Saints says Joe. Um, Michael Duke, who added Southampton specifically several times during the match to uh, complain about the lack, the fact that there was no live stream. Um, he says no effing live stream. Um, <laughs> and people kept copying the link to that and sending it to my DMs. And I'm like, yes, I saw it. Like, I understand. I will go back and like it just so everybody can see that I've seen it. Um, yeah. Bob Brown says burn it down uh, with the emoji that is, looks like he's being sarcastic. Uh, more forward signings. Please replace Tadich. Man the lifeboats from SFC Paul. I thought that was funny. Um, <laughs> by a striker. Uh, Stuart Vahid says announce relegation now. And uh, Matthew Barnett makes a good point. I think it says defense lacks pace. John Lambert says don't panic people. Bob Gibson says learn from it. There are more, but I think we get the point. Yep. Um, what, what would you, how would you sum up the match in, in, in three words? Uh, a lot of people said a lot of overreaction things, so I'll I'll just keep it kind of short and say that was bad. Yeah, okay, I think that's fair uh, enough. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, and I don't know for you. I mean, you've coached uh, at a at a decent level. You coached a couple club teams and things like that. I remember that um, from uh, it, previous uh, conversations that we've had. Um, I mean, it's preseason, right? Like there's, there's a reason that they do it. There's a reason that we don't just show up after, you know, a, a month off and, and train and go through practice and then jump into a first game because it does, things don't click. And it looked like, you know, if we're going to take a positive from this, we didn't look great in the first half, but there was, we didn't concede any goals. Um, you change the back line, you change the shape. There were gaps there. It was clear that, you know, Vestigard and, and Hoot were not, used to playing with one another you know not that that can't work necessarily but um and, and so before we get into that though like i, I think it, there's a reason that we do this and and from your perspective how much do we really need to read into to this match in particular in the performance especially in the second half well well that's an interesting thing because it that's such a polarizing topic is how uh useful it is to take information from these preseason games and what I'm looking, I'm not really looking for the end result because obviously the end result at this stage uh, is is useless in terms of any sort of production throughout the season. Uh, what what I am looking for uh, in in these preseason games is kind of that progression from game to game. Do players look like they know what their role is when we are going back defensively? It does. Is there a shape between our players when we're sitting back past our own midfield line? Uh, are players communicating? Are they moving with the ball? Are, are they reacting just as quickly? And, and so when you're looking at these preseason games, yeah, you don't want to necessarily look at the result, but you do want to kind of look at that progression uh, throughout the games and whether these players are buying into their roles on the squad and they're able to make those tactical adjustments because, I mean, as players' fitness uh, improves, you would hope that their tactical awareness improves as well. And so that's really what you are wanting to look for uh, throughout these games. 
And, and so, I mean, with this one particularly, um, you know, we, we can go into a lot with, with what uh, we particularly saw. But, you know, that, that's, that's what you're wanting to look at through these preseason games. It's not the result, but you're wanting to see how that progresses throughout the preseason. Sure, sure. And we saw, you know, looking at the starting lineup, it could have been a number of, of uh, you know, formations, I guess. And it was interesting to see how Hughes got Armstrong and Onusi um, into the lineup. And it looked like it was a, a 3-4-3. Um, to start uh, throughout through most of the first half, uh, maybe maybe a five four one when we were defending with Austin kind of a, a, up top. But um, I thought that Lamina and Armstrong in the middle of of that three four three playing central midfield that is that's a that's pretty attack minded midfield. I think like Lamina is not Romeo and and he likes to get forward more and he likes to to do the attacking. And so I thought like that's a pretty offensive heavy lineup and you have some pace out wide with Redmond. I would say our wingbacks didn't offer a ton of pace with James Ward Prowse and uh, Matt Target, but I was looking at that going like we need to maybe a little bit more control. It didn't seem like we could we I mean I was expecting us to dominate the ball a little bit more than we did, even though we were playing away. It's not like the stadium's full. Um and, and we did I didn't I didn't see us do that. And that I think more than anything concerned me um in terms of how we played today in in the first half. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and what, uh, you know, kind of going off of what you said, you know, Lamina and Armstrong are both very attacking minded players. And so what you saw a lot, especially in that first half was Lamina and Armstrong would both push forward. Uh, and then having those wing backs, when you're having a five at the back system, they're pushing very high up the field. Uh, Bertrand, his natural instinct is to go forward as well. And so he's kind of pushing into that attack and almost, a center defensive mid role when he goes forward. And then we have pushed so many players forward uh, with our wing box, not having much pace there. So many times Darby County were able to counter on us. And then we have the blazing speed of Hoot and Stevens in the back. And when you have Darby three versus those two, it's just not going to look good. And, and that's something that, when you're looking, even though, yes, it is preseason, that's something that can easily be fixed. You, you, you look at that, that formation and you start interchanging the players that we could have potentially had in there, whether they were on the bench today, whether they're not currently in the lineup. And you think, man, there's just not a lot of pace back there. <laughs> there's just not a lot. And so when you're trying to think about all those players pushing forward, you're like, man, your Saints are really leaving themselves vulnerable in this type of formation. Yeah, and and I could almost live with that if we were if we would have created a bunch of chances today. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But we were committing a ton of people for which which I think you know I I don't want this to sound like I am just complaining to complain because I I know last year a lot of us talked about in the last two years seasons a lot of us complained about uh, the lack of, of of attack going forward, a lack of commitment going forward, a lack of kind of creativity. But today we just never settled. It didn't seem like it didn't it didn't seem like today was was working and when. So with that, you know, we're, we're, we're throwing all these guys forward. We don't have the pace to get back with, um, and you know, you have to think that Cedric is going to be playing right wing back throughout the season. If he's, if he's here. And I think, I think he will, because we don't have a replacement over there yet. And if, unless we're going to go out and get one soon, then I, I, I don't know. I, I just hope he's going to be there. And I think that solves a little bit of the issue. Um, if you have Bertram playing on the left, uh, great, but I, I can almost see Hughes playing Bertrand in that left center back spot in order to keep target happy and keep him at the club. 
because I don't think Target's going to settle again this year to to be to play second fiddle, you know. Yeah, and and the, and that's you know I I think that would be a really big part as well because I think offensively you saw an idea of what we were trying to implement. We were trying to get it out to those wing backs. They were going to push up high. And then when we started getting into more of an attacking position, all three of our attacking players, uh, uh, Elanassi, um, Austin, and Redmond, all three of them were in the box. And the amount of times last season that I saw three players in the box when we were trying to play in a cross, um, I could probably count it on one hand. Yeah. So you, you can see an idea there on what they're trying to do in the attacking end with those balls into the box. But I think with the, especially those two players that we had uh, at the time in that game, there's just not enough quality, uh, you know, to, to get, to, to get, uh, execute that game plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you said, with Cedric and Bertrand, if you, if you have those wingbacks out there, it may be an entirely different conversation that we're having right now, but, uh, with with that current lineup, you know it, it it just didn't do the job today. No, no, and like like I said, I don't want to overreact. I don't want to to make it a bigger deal than it is. But you know, the first half with the I, I would have thought that with the lineup we had out there, that we should have been able to um, create some chances. But we really didn't. And and Derby has some chances to to go ahead, and they you know they took they took they they shot poorly. Um, so we we got out kind of alive and went into halftime at nil nil. You come out the second half, you know, you make changes and it kind of kind of falls apart. I mean, Vestergaard nearly gets on the score sheet right away, right? He comes on for his his debut and um, you know, it you have James Ward Prowse out there, so you have a, a decent quality set piece taker, which I think at this point he's gotta be near the only one, him and Bertrand, you know, really. Yeah. I don't know who else you would have take a take a set piece, but he's out there, he takes it. Uh, Vestergaard gets on the end of it, just doesn't, can't put it away. Um, mm-hmm. But then, you know, we just kind of fell apart. That that mistimed tackle from Vestergaard in that attempt to to clear the ball. I mean, McCarthy came up big a couple times in the in the first half, and you, you can't expect him to do that all, all all the whole time. And you know, they went up, and then from there, it was kind of just, you know, it kind of looked like the same old thing. I saw Hoot get beat in the back post uh, once, just kind of not paying attention, kind of switching off. Um, you had a couple of times where um, he seemed to be yelling at people, but people kind of gave up once the shot, the first person took a shot. Nobody, nobody closed down and it's clear and it left the guy kind of open for, for another one. And so at that point I was pretty frustrated and I just was like, it's preseason. I'm not going to get all, all amped up, but I am going to watch and see how they react. And, you know, I don't know, overall, not, not a great performance, but like you said, it, it's preseason and, and we just need to see how they move through this and, and kind of, does the system work and, and how do they change it for, for next, for next match, I guess. Yeah. You know, there's two sides of this and I, I think it's kind of important to know both sides. So there are the players side where the, the players individually need to look at themselves and say, you know, uh, decompress from this performance and say, okay, what went wrong and how do I better myself uh, in preparation for the season? And then it's also on the other end where it's the managerial standpoint and Mark Hughes, and he needs to look at himself and say, okay, what, how, why, wh- why did that go so poorly? And how do we need to make those adjustments? And I, I think, uh, you know, especially from the managerial side, it will be interesting to see, uh, you know, as I was mentioning earlier, that progression up into the season uh, on our tactics. 
Hughes. And that was something that I've always kind of been a little critical about Hughes about to begin with. I think he does a good job of getting the most out of his players um, that he has on the pitch. But I, I, I'm very precautious on how his uh, ability to allow players to buy into the tactics and players to know their roles within a system and being able to execute that uh, to perfection. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little skeptical on that. And so it'll, and that was one of the biggest issues I saw today was just the overall players knowing their roles, where to be, how to shift defensively. And it led to three goals from, from Darby. And it, it'll just be interesting going forward. These next couple, I think it's like three or four more preseason uh, matches. It'll be interesting to see how that adjusts and how we progress as a unit uh, leading up to the premier premier uh, open. Yeah, I mean they're gonna go away to France for for a week, and then they'll come back. They will play Dijon FCO. No idea who they are. Uh, they'll play Celta Vigo, uh, and then they'll play uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. So those are those are the three before uh, we open with Burnley, and of course that's on a Sunday. Um, so I mean they're gonna they're gonna take this week away. Uh, all the guys who are at the World Cup, so Cedric, Bednarak, and Yoshida, will all be back. They'll go. They'll get a training camp in. Um, I I wouldn't expect to see very much of them next Saturday, but I would say by by the following Wednesday, I would expect us to be putting out probably our best starting lineup for the first forty five at least. And then you would you would kind of expect the same thing um, Saturday uh, against Mönchengladbach. You would expect them to to be. I don't know. I think you would expect them to be kind of ready, almost ready to go at that point, at least for about 60 minutes or so. Uh, and, yeah. then, and then with the changes, but um, I don't know. I, it looks like we're going to persist with that back three or that back five. I want to say we, at least we have somebody who can anchor the middle of it now, but it's, do we have the pace to to cover him? Cause uh, if, if Vestergaard showed one negative today, it's that he's not fast at all. And granted he's been back <laughs> a week, but he is, he's not per murder slow. slow. Um, I don't want to throw that on them, but he is not, Pacey, and that's okay. You don't have to. You can't be everything. If he was all of those things, he would be, you know, a seventy-five million pound uh, central defender or whatever the hell we sold Van Dyke for. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing, you know, is that three at the back because we 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 tried that a couple of times last season to begin under Pellegrino, and we all we all saw how that was, um, just absolutely misfitted, and. I've, I've never seen Southampton play with three at the back and be overly successful with it. There, there, there just hasn't been a moment where I've seen us play that formation and it's been just, you know, an epiphany of a formation comparatively to our four at the back, you know? And so I, I think it's just kind of the new trend uh, that's going on now around the world of football. And so we just think, oh, that, you know, that's the new thing. We're going to buy into that because everyone else is doing it. Um, and, and so we're just kind of forcing it almost. I mean, th- that's just kind of the way I see it. Yeah, I would say that the only time that I think we were really successful with it um, would be there were a few games under Kuman where we implemented it, I think, because we were leaking goals mostly. And we, we played it for a few matches. It worked for a little while. People figured it out. And then we went away from it just as quickly. And, you know, I don't know. But it, like you said, it looks like this is a this is a real thing. And my, my biggest thing is 
even when we played four four two last year for a while under Hughes, that that West Ham game is what I go back to because I was there and I could see it all. Um, we just lack control in the middle of the field with only two midfielders without kind of that number ten able to 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 drop in and, and help out. Do we have two guys who who have that right balance of being able to to, to hold the game together, to break up play, um, to drive it going forward, and also just just have some control over that? And I don't know if we do. I, we've seen with Lamina today and, and Armstrong, like it, I'm not sure it worked. Um, and, and so I, I do worry about that a little bit. But um, like you said, it's all gonna it's all gonna kind of go forward and and, and be okay. But yeah. Um, all right. Do you have do you have any other thoughts on the game or anything else that you're you're kind of worried about or anything? Um, you know, I I know you mentioned that the combination of Lamina and Armstrong didn't work out the best. Um, but honestly, Armstrong individually, he looks like a, he looks like he's already in mid season form. Man, he he looks good out there. And I know that some people were a little critical of him coming in. You know, not being that flashy signing, that right. uh, that twenty million pound signing that everyone's clamoring for when the transfer window opens, he just looks like a like a workhorse out there, you yeah. know. And he's just got some real quality, and like he's gonna get it. He, he's got that that motor that Shane Long has, but he he actually has the quality to back it up in the Premiership. <laughs> so, you know, I I I think he's gonna be a fan favorite this season, and I'm excited to see how how that all looks. Yeah, I think I think it was like you know seven and a half million pounds, and I feel like it was seven and a half million pounds well spent. You know, I, I he looks he looks he looked good. I, I didn't I didn't see very many negatives uh, regarding him today. Yeah, seven point one six according to transfer mark. That's what he cost seven point one six million pounds. So I feel like that's you know we we have other signings out there. Um, we had a lot of money on the pitch today, and and mm-hmm. you know I'll I'll, I'll take his performance um, and a, and a lot on the bench too. Yeah, I'll- yeah. And a lot on loan, you know, um, yeah. which I guess we can kind of move to. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, now we have, you know, our signings so far as the time we're recording. And, and I haven't seen us really linked with anything major since since uh, then. Otherwise, we might have held off and waited a little closer to time of release for this. But um, we have Armstrong, El Nusi, Angus Gunn, uh, and Yannick Vestergaard. I mean, that those are our signings so far. Um, I mean... I, from your perspective, from what you've seen, just whether it's training videos or, or the matches and, and stuff so far, like how are you, how are you feeling about them? I was actually kind of surprised that we didn't see Angus Gunn get in the game at all today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, w- I was a little shocked myself. Um, you know, that I, I think this is kind of a, a feel good moment for the club. Um, you know, I, Overall, these players that are incoming, it, it'll just be interesting to see how all of this is kind of implemented. I, I, I know we'll probably talk about the outgoings here in a minute. Um, but, but the thing is, you know, the reality is we've had five managers over the last five years. I, I, think, I think that's what it is. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's 100% the right number there. Um, but each one of those managers are trying to bring in different types of players. You know, they're, they're giving their wish list to our board. Our board's trying to go out and get them. So what you see on the pitch there is the result of, you know, four or five different ideas when trying to create a team. And so 
that what what happened last year, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like when you bring in a bunch of random players with no actual plan on how they're all going to mesh together. You know, when you have a bunch of different people trying to bring a plan together, that's what it ends up looking like. And so when I look at these players that they're trying to bring in, I, I'm trying to look for, is there a set plan on what we're trying to do? Or are we just trying to, uh, you know, plug holes on what we believe are the issues? And I, I personally believe it's a little bit of both, that we have a little bit more of a plan that we have in the past. We're not just spending money to spend money. I think we're actually spending money on some quality players. Um, you know, but at the same time, I, I don't know if they, if you put them into our lineup, if you can say, yeah, we're definitely a better team because of that. I know on the defensive end with Vestergaard, uh, I, I, you know, I can say that, that we have a little more defensive quality uh, back there. But, you know, shifting those other players in comparatively to the players that we may have moved out, are we a better team because of that? And I, I don't know if I have an answer to that yet. I would say that compared to last year, yes. But if you go back just a little bit further and you look at the players that we lost, when you talk about losing Mane, when you talk about losing Pella, um, you know, even Tadic, like we're going to struggle to recreate a line, a front line that has that much quality in it. And I can say that we've taken steps towards that. We, we've done a much better job of trying to address it there. Um, but I think it's still going to take some, some doing. And I, I guess this would be kind of a, a good time and maybe earlier than normal in the episode, but to move towards some questions, so we got uh, kind of a lot of questions um, to, to try to get through. And, and if there's anything that you feel we don't cover or, or any point you wanted to make after that, then we'll, we'll make sure and kind of circle back to it. But let's get to some questions. And as I mentioned, I don't know if I got all the way through it. Um, look on Instagram, the story, the post, Facebook, Twitter, use hashtag SFC Dale, send me a direct message or an email. I don't care. Uh, however you want to do it. Um, we will do our best to answer your questions. So, um, this one is from, uh, Courtney Louise White SFC on Instagram. And she says thoughts on Angus Gunn. Um, and is he the right replacement and should Forrester leave? So a couple questions there. So, um, your initial thoughts on Angus Gunn as a, as a goalkeeper. And if you don't know a, a ton about him, uh, that's fine. Um, but then, you know, do we think he's a step in the right direction? And, and then what should we do with Fraser Forrester? You know, he's a highly rated uh, prospect that's coming up to the English ranks on keepers. I think he's the England U23, uh, U21 keeper. And, um, you know, he, he is highly rated in, in the country. And so, you know, I, I think he's a quality signing um, for 15 million pounds. Um, you have to question what his role is. Uh, with the team and why he would come to a club like Southampton. Because honestly, he could go to quite a few clubs, and I would say even some in the Premier League, and uh, step right into their starting lineup. And so my thinking, I don't, I don't know any of this, by the way. This is all just speculative. Sure. Uh, but my thinking is that we are hoping to get a good year out of uh, Alex McCarthy here. And then with the intention of him potentially moving on uh, to another club the year after that. And then having promised Angus Gunn that number one role uh, for the next season. You know, that, that's really the only reason why I, because Angus Gunn kind of had his pick on club that he could go to. He had a few other offers out there, uh, if you were to believe the reporting. 
that was done on this. So it's not like he didn't have any other options. So, you know, I, I think he's a really good signing. I, I think overall it is a step in the right direction. I do think we need to get uh, a little bit, you know, ha- have that quality in the youth, um, you know, going forward. Uh, it'll just be interesting to see after, after this season what that whole situation looks like in that, in that goalkeeping room. Kind of weird because McCarthy signs the long-term deal. Um, maybe that's just us guaranteeing ourselves some sort of, of decent fee when we sell them. You know, maybe that's, that's part of what it is. Um, or maybe it was the thought that it looked like Angus Gunn wasn't going to wasn't, we weren't going to be able to get him. Um, but I don't think you sign a guy to a big long, long deal like that to be your, your, your backup, to be your second string. But I also think that, that Angus Gunn only comes to Southampton with the idea that he is going to at least have a chance to start, you know? Um, yeah. It was clear that his path at, at, at City for now uh, was, was not, the path to the first team wasn't going to be there for him. So you understand him going out on loan to Norwich. He had a decent season. Um, you know, everything that I've heard about him has been, has been positive and good. He's going to be, he's going to be good. I just hope we get to see some of him. And you say maybe he, he plays the under 23s for us for a while. And then he does all the cup games. Like that seems reasonable. Um, but him just sitting and only getting into the cup matches, I don't think is going to be ideal for him. I don't think that'll make him happy. Um, and honestly, I, I, I mean, I can't really see Forster really making the bench even, uh, for the majority of our matches now. Um, but wh- what do you think? I mean, you think you think it's time for Forster to go? You think he's he's too young to sit there and be the third string, right? Like that's not what he's going to want in his career at this point. What a fall from grace! Uh, this this man has this man has fallen. You know, I, it seems like it's faster he, than he gets down for any low ball. That's for sure. It's, it's crazy, and you know, I I think I said it a couple of years ago, and people got a little mad at me for saying this, but I said, you know, even though he's twenty. 728, you know, that's still young for keepers in a sense. He's a big dude. He's like six foot seven, something like that, something, something crazy like that. And those bigger guys, the first thing that they lose is their speed to get that, like to get down for those balls for their overall reactions to actually move their bodies. It takes a lot of force to push off and make that instinctual reaction. And so, you know, I, I think with Forster, especially, he wasn't particularly very good at reactions to begin with. Um, you know, he just had the length to be able to stop it. And so when you kind of lose even just a little bit of that half twitch, when, you're, when your body is moving even just like a microsecond slower uh, than your brain is, um, you know, that's when you really start to see that decline in those larger individuals. So, um, you know, that, that's really what you're seeing here in even just two years removed from, you know, being... England's number one, even, you know, and, and so, you know, it, it's really sad to see that he's kind of fallen this far. I, I think there's probably some confidence issues going on as well. Mm-hmm. And that can really mess with the goalkeeper, as you can see with Loris Karius as well. Um, and I, I think really for all parties involved, he should probably, uh, you know, find his next chapter. Yeah. Well, I mean, from the sounds of it, I would say that Angus Gunn is closer to being England's number one than either Alex McCarthy or Fraser Forster. I think mm-hmm. the, the, the setup is moving to be slightly younger. Uh, I think yeah, you have Jordan Pickford, obviously. Uh, Butland might have a shout in there. You're going to have Nick Pope um, poking his head around. And then Angus Gunn is kind of right in that, in that 
in that discussion. So if he gets game time, I think that would be kind of it, especially for, for Forrester. But um, Tim Marshall asks, realistically, where will Saints finish next year? Uh, he says, I'm going for 10th. So like what, based on what we've seen so far, and obviously the, the window's still open and everything else, where would you expect us to finish next year? You know, this question gets tougher and tougher every year um, because, you know, the difference between 10th and 18th is a matter of like four points. In the mm-hmm. um, so, you know, the optimistic side of me says that it'll probably be middle of the table. Um, I think it's going to be very dependent on Hughes's ability to maintain that positive influence throughout an entire season. And these players buy into a season long grind of the style of football that Hughes wants to play. And I think that's going to be, you know, I I think kind of our range uh, that we can finish is in that between 16 and eight range. You know, I I really don't see us falling into the relegation zone. I don't think we're going to be close to the kind of relegation battle that we were in last season. Uh, but at the same time, I just don't see us having the quality to really push for anything. You know, eight is like, wow, best case scenario, everything went right. Um, and that's the kind of season we have. So, uh, I re- you know, it, it's a really big range, but, you know, I, I think that kind of gives an idea of where we could. Yeah, I'm always I'm always hesitant to say, you know, this is where we're going to finish or this is what we're going to do, because there are. I mean, it's really just hard to tell. I mean, we played the team that finished sixth in the championship last year today. It didn't go well. Yep. Some people like to say that the difference between the championship and the Premier League, there's a big, a big gap. A lot more people argue that there's not. And I think maybe today shows that, that the bottom of the Premier League and the top of the championship are kind of there. And, you know, whether it's the refereeing that's a little bit different, uh, Pep Guardiola blamed the balls last year when they played, you know, when they had to go to penalties against Wolves or whatever it is. Um, you know, there, you know, could, could Derby County do it week in, week out, um, in the Premier League? Probably not. They'd probably finish somewhere down the table, but that's where we were last year. So if we finish 10th, I would be happy. Obviously I'd be happier. We finish higher up the table, but I'll take that. Um, but yeah, I can see us dropping down to 14th or 15th just as easily, which isn't, isn't sexy. It's not what you want to hear. Um, but trying to be realistic, not worrying about uh, necessarily, uh, overblowing it. Um, we have a question here from Ollie give the great. I don't know. Um, he says, what can Southampton do to be the team that made Gareth Bale? And I'll just be honest that I don't know how to answer this question. Um, so I don't think we should, you know, I'm, I'm all in on that. Uh, I miss him. I miss Gareth Bale a lot. He should, he should really, consider coming back to where where it all started and uh that, that would fix a lot yeah i mean for me like as a as a coach as a teacher like i i really try to hammer home the, to kids like if you work hard you know you will improve yourself i'm not saying that if you work hard you're going to be ronaldo or gareth bale like there's a there's a certain amount of talent that comes with gareth bale being himself um and then kind of being you know honing his skills um i'm not sure you make gareth bale um, if you have a Gareth Bale, you let him do what he does. You know, you, you build a team around him. Um, yep. you know, you hope to God he doesn't get injured. Um, you enjoy when he goes to play for Real Madrid because he is exciting to watch. Um, so yeah, so that, I think that's where that is. But, um, 
Sexy Moore 12 says, what role does James Ward Powell play in the 18-19 season? So we saw him today at, at, at right wing back. He played there. Uh, he played on the right wing last year. We've seen him play uh, as one of the two kind of holding midfielders, defensive midfielders, midfielders in the past. He's played in a number, as a number 10. He seems to be the guy that has all kinds of skill uh, over a dead ball, but can't establish himself in the lineup. So where do you see him? Where, what's he going to do this year for us? And uh, wh- whether it be on the bench or whether it be as a, as a wing back or wh- where do you see him? You know, I have not been a James Ward Prowse truther. Uh, as there are many outs there in the Southampton community. I know that he's kind of a fan favorite because, uh, you know, he's one of the few that's kind of come up through our academy to make it to our senior team in recent uh, time. And, you know, kind of what you said. I mean, how many positions did you name that he plays? The the thing is, if he was in a position that he was good at, he would stay there. You know, it's, it's not like we're moving him to these positions because we need him, you know, in the, in those positions, you know, we're, we're trying to put him in a position to be successful. And so far I can't think of one position that he's been in that I thought, yeah, he should be in our starting 11, you know? And I would say, honestly, this right wing back position that he played today, it was probably the best position that he's been in so far. I, I think he's going to look the best in that role compared to what he's done in every other role so far. But just doesn't have the pace, you know, to get up and down that pitch in that kind of role. And so, you know, if, if you need a good free kick, if you need a good corner kick, um, you know, he, he's going to be that guy for you. But you know, the, the more and more as time goes on, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's like 24, man, like 24, 25. You're getting there into a point where the development stops and you got to start producing mm-hmm. on the pitch. You know, there, there's no more excuses at this point. And so, you look at this lineup and you think, where is he going to kind of fit in? And I don't know, <laughs> you know, especially with all the quality we have on that bench today, Hoiberg, uh, Romeu, um, you know, all, all, all these other players that are there waiting for their opportunity. I mean, I honestly, I think they're all, they all have more quality than him. Yeah. And it's like you said, there, there's the promise of him being great all the way up, all the way through the kind of youth development, the, the England setup, all this stuff. And you're just waiting for him to really bring it and do it. And it, it seems like it just as he starts to get going, you know, something happens or, you know, you just realize, well, maybe he, maybe that's not that great. Maybe it's just a little bit better than what we had there before, but you know, it's just not it. And you find the one little thing that he can't do that prevents him from being, you know, in a number as a number 10, or, you know, maybe he lacks the pace to play on the wing or, you know, he, he just doesn't break up play good enough to play holding midfield or whatever it is. But, you know, when I, when I think back to like coaching baseball and playing baseball, like sometimes you have guys who can hit really well and you just got to hide them somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. on, on the field, you got to give them a defensive position because they have to play out there, but you want them in the lineup. So where do you do? And the, the problem is, is, is if, in baseball, the guys are going to come up probably three or four times. If they're hitting that well, they're going to be at the top of the lineup. They'll probably get four bats a game uh, minimum. James Ward Prowse, I mean, how many free kicks is he going to take a game? You know, how many corners is he going to take a game? And is it worth it having him on the pitch as a right wing back and sacrificing the pace or as a holding midfielder and really kind of maybe sacrificing some muscle in the middle of the park so we can have those? And I'm not sure, you know, you look at the number of set pieces that we take, the number of set pieces that are actually converted into goals, you know, is that, is that worth it? 
and I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, that, that's, a, that's a really good point there, is how, how much worth it is it for him to be a liability in the position that he stands so that we may have an advantageous position from a free kick standpoint? You know, how, how much better is James Ward's prowess at taking these free kicks compared to, like, Ryan Berger? You know, and and I don't know. I, I think the difference between having James Ward-Prowse on there and someone who is better, than, like more quality than him on the pitch, I think that is a bigger gap than it is between James Ward-Prowse and the next best free kick taker on our team. So, that, you know, that that's really what you have to look for in terms of, you know, it, is it worth to have him on the pitch? And uh, as I said, it's, He's about that age where it's time to start producing, man. It's it's time to start. It, you're done with the development stage. You got to actually start producing on the pitch. He's at Blake A Hampton on Twitter. Everybody, <laughs> uh, <laughs> shut your DMs off. Um, <laughs> so uh, let let's let's move on. And and I, you know, it's not that I I, I like James Ward Prowse and I think he's he's great. But you you know, we're we're just trying to talk about some of the things that we we see in. And I, at some point, everybody's going to have to kind of say, and, and maybe people are going to disagree, and that, that's fine. Um, I will, I'll stop making, I'll stop trying to sugar, sugarcoat it or soften it at all. Um, as Buffal is gone, do you see us getting another attacker in? This is from uh, Michael Maria67. So uh, do you see us bringing in another attacker on the wing, or, or what, do you, what do you think? I hope so. Um, you know, when, when you saw that lineup that went out today, and you look at our bench. So we played with uh, two wingers today and Elanassi and um, Redmond. And then you looked at our bench and the only other winger we had on there was Justin. And, you know, I, I think Justin is a fine player. I haven't seen him play in two years. He's had a year long injury. I don't know what he looks like out there. And so our depth on the wing is not the best. And, and so I genuinely believe that we need to bring in another attacking player, especially with pace, especially out there on that wing. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm not certain that we're done in the transfer window, though. You know, get, get all that done and then have all your players in and start implementing your ideas. I, I mean, unless there's something magical that happens in the next two weeks i would almost think that they're done in the transfer window and that that's something that you know may, maybe we kind of start to talk about here yeah but. well i mean if if we're done now the fan base would be upset i think yep. there are still holes in this in the lineup from previous seasons that we need to fill um and if you're only going to make one other signing where i mean do you make it on the wing do you make it uh, a, a striker or a forward or what, where would you make it if you had to pick just one more or maybe even a, a central a center back? Cause I think uh, people are still asking for that. I don't think we're going to get that, but I think people are still asking for that. Uh, you, I, I think our center backs are going to look a little bit better when we get Yoshida and Bednarak back. Um, I, I think Bednarak is, you know, a lot of people are really discounting him uh, comparatively to the rest of our center backs. I think he kind of fits a perfect mold on what we're missing back there right now. Uh, he has a little more pace back there. He's, he's very good tactically. You know, I, I don't know if you, how much you watched him in the World Cup with Poland, uh, but you know, just kind of his positional uh, you know, movement and what he was doing uh, 
he was he was so quality out there for him. And so I, I think in terms of just kind of a tactical awareness, you, you kind of have to put him back there. And he's going to be a very good fit back there. But in terms of what we still need, we just need more goals, honestly. And I, I, I think that, you know, obviously preseason, there's some stuff that needs to be worked out. And how many times did Charlie Austin and Manolo Gabbiadini touch the ball today? I mean, had to have been less than 10 times, you know, that the ball was actually at their feet and they were actually able to do something. And so that is kind of a result of both their inability to find this space and also our attacking buildup to find this space. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of people would say that we probably need another striker. Um, I, I think both that we have are fine. I think they're both serviceable and they'll get us, you know, goals this season. Uh, I, I think we need more playmakers on that wing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know Redmond's look fine. Um, I thoroughly enjoy seeing him blast the ball over the goal about three or four times a game. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd just like to see a little more quality on, on that wing to be able to uh, make, make some plays happen so we can actually get the ball in the box and, you know, be a little more creative out there in the attacking play. I, I would say it's, as well, you know, looking at that lineup, you have a bunch of guys that can play in different spots. Like, you know, we said before we can move, uh, change our prowess around on that right-hand side, kind of anywhere you want. Um, you can move Bertrand from left center back to left wing back or just standard left back. Sam McQueen can do that as well. He can play as a winger. Um, and I think what will happen is they will look down that list and go, we can put guys here if necessary. And a game. Sure. A cup match. Sure. Do I want, you know, my starting wingers to be Sam McQueen and James Ward Prowse in a Premier League match, you know, going away to, to Man United? Like, no, no, I don't. Um, but I, I think that, you know, you the 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 club might be looking at it and going like, well, you know, we spent this much money. These are the guys we're going to rely on. We have serviceable backups and that's going to be it. And I, I don't know from a. I don't know. I don't know if you can argue with that because it's, you know, it's not our money. It's not, we don't, we don't have the long-term vision of the club. We don't know what their kind of goals are and what, what the, you know, our Chinese owners goals are or anything else. So it's, it's, it's tough to, tough to do. Um, although I feel like I'm just being a constant downer today, which is not, I'm not even in a bad mood. So I don't know why I'm doing that. Well, um, I was just thinking that as well. I'm not, I'm not trying to be negative. You know, I, I guess it's more a little realistic at the, at the yeah. time, but I'm, I'm excited for the season. Nonetheless, I'm excited to see how this all unfolds. Um, you know, there are just things that we need to fix at the moment. And I hope that we're able to do that in the weeks leading up to it. Yeah. Um, so I think we did answer a little bit of, of Ollie Quinton's question as well, where he says, how many signings do you think there will be, if any? And I think we kind of just talked about it um, a little bit. And we have, uh, one more on the the transfer window, but I wanted to get to one that we got from Twitter. Um, it was sent via direct message. So, um, Candler, Christian Candler asks, uh, why do you think Buffal never got his act together? Now he's gone. He's on loan at Celta Vigo. Obviously, I mean, he's he's been through three managers now. He's managed 54 appearances, most of them from the bench, four goals. Two of them will live on in our memory kind of forever, um, I think, because they were that good. But, I mean, what, what is it about him? What is, is it just a bad fit for the club? Do you think he'll be back or do you think this is a loan deal that's going to eventually be permanent somewhere else? What a polarizing figure that he has been since the day that he walked into Southampton. And 
he has, I mean, like this may be a little uh, over the top, but I think he may have the most talent of any player that's walked through Southampton. Just natural, gifted talent at football that's ever walked in through Southampton. I, I genuinely believe that. And I have this debate with a lot of different people. Who, who is at fault? You know, is it the player's responsibility to, you know, just put their head down and work regardless of what the situation is? Or is it the club's responsibility to make sure that the psychology of players, you know, is always at the highest priority and they're making sure that all their players are at the happiest standpoint. And, you know, typically I would give the benefit of the doubt to the club, you know, and, and all the things that kind of tie into that. But, you know, I I don't want to be speculative and continue to be down and stuff, but it's not the first occasion in recent history that we've seen players unhappy at the club and it could be for one reason or the other, you know, they want to make that move to the bigger club. They want to, you know, this and that, but there has been a track record of unhappiness with players at the club. And Bufal is a special case because I really do think that there was, you know, he, he does have a little bit of a temper problem. He really does have that uh, millennial mentality mm-hmm. when, it, when it, when it comes to things. And, and so, yes, I, I think there's just as much fault, uh, with, with the player and just not a, a good fit with the club to begin with. But I also think it's kind of time to look at our club. And, you know, I actually read an article, I think it was from The Guardian, uh, that England, they brought a psychologist with them. They did. And that, and that was one of the big reasons why these players were able to, no matter how strenuous the grind was of this cup, they were able to upkeep their energy levels, their you know, just overall happiness was having a psychologist with them, you know, and, and I've always been a huge advocate for psychology in sports. I, I think that that is one of the most undervalued qualities in sport is the psychology of, you know, players' mentalities. And so I, I think that Southampton probably needs to do a little better of managing all these personalities, all these different stars no matter what kind of star you think they are in the lowest rung or the highest rung sure you know that in their mindset they are stars mm-hmm. you know and so how to manage all these different personalities all these different stars i think some of that responsibility does fall in the club and you need to make sure that you're doing your best to keep these 20 million pound investments uh, i mean i, I don't want to consider human call human beings investments but in a business term they are you, you want to do everything you can so that you're getting the most out of that. Yeah. And, and, and so I, I think there was probably some times where, you know, we, we kind of just let go of Bupa. You know, we, we didn't, we didn't, we were decided, you know what, he's just kind of off on his own and we don't really care. And I yeah. don't think that's really the way it should be going. Well, you mentioned earlier too, the, the, the five different managers or so in five years, the kind of remnants of, I don't want to say failed projects, but the remnants of, of different projects and different mentalities. You now have our, our two record signings out on loan. And I think that shows that we missed the mark in recent seasons. You know, that that shows failure because you don't, your, your record signings should be, they should be on the field. They should be challenging mm-hmm. for, they should be in the first team. They should, and they should earn that. They don't get that by just being record signings. And, and granted, 
you're a record signing because of the market fluctuates and all this stuff, but they were purchased not to be squad players. They were purchased to be kind of, you know, stalwarts in the team and neither of them are that good. I mean, neither of them have proved it. Um, I don't know if Carrillo is that good. I think Buffal has the talent, but something hasn't worked. But I really, unless Hughes goes at the end of this year, I can't see Buffal coming back and being in a team. And I think that we're hoping he has a good year. Uh, we're hoping that, you know, his value goes back up and then he, he gets moved on because I think the, the fee for him will be higher if he has a decent season at Celta Vigo. Um, Carrillo, I mean, he's gone back to, to be with Pellegrino again, right? Like that, that just seems he's just going to follow that guy around from wherever he goes. So, um, I don't know. That's for me that, that, that's where that's at. But, um, we have one more question if, if you're okay with doing this. Um, and he said it's from Alf Montague, uh, from Instagram. And he says, do you think the transfer window has been as good as everybody says? Um, at the moment, yes. There's still some transfer window left to go. If it closes, and this is still the situation that we're in, I am going to be a little more hesitant to change that answer over to no. And I, I think, honestly, a lot of this is going to be very dependent on you know, our, our big signings. You know, uh, Vestergaard, we, we have a lot of depth at center back, but I don't know how much quality we actually have back there. So, you know, have, having Vestergaard is really, you know, it's a little unfair for him, but honestly, him coming in and just being a six foot six monster with long hair, you know, people are expecting him to be Van Dyke. Mm-hmm. And whether that's fair or not, that's what people are expecting. That's it's for him to, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's for him, it's for him to be that. And, you know, it may not be fair, but if he's not that, then, you know, people may be a little bit down on him. And uh, Elinesi, you know, I, I think that he really needs to produce in a big way for us to be successful this year. And, you know, he, he's our big money signing. He's one, you know, he's one of our highest record signings that we've had. And so you expect him to be quality, but, you know, needing him to be superstar quality for us to have a decent season you know, it, it, I don't know if that's fair expectations on him as well. So, um, you know, I, I think that they're really good signings on paper. Uh, this is something that we should definitely talk about a couple months from now. Yeah. yeah. Um, last question for you, just uh, kind of hypothetical. Uh, you pick the starting lineup as of now with the squad we have now. What, just not even any, any players, just what formation are we lining up with opening day? against Burnley what 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 would I like or what do I think it'll be you can give me both I would like a four two three one and I think we'll start with a three four three okay all right yeah I I, I, I just don't see like Mark, Mark Hughes has been playing that the whole time I, I don't I, I think that's why he has really been practicing in these training sessions. I, I think that that's really what they're trying to work for. Um, and, and I don't, I think, I think it's a little too late to go back and change, change that now. You're right. And if we get down the road and he's got to change it, 
then maybe maybe he does. I don't think he's afraid to make changes. He he quickly switched away from that four four two last year uh, when we looked like we couldn't control the midfield. But um, you know we'll see going going forward. So yeah. Um, well, Blake, unless you have anything else you'd like to add, we're right at about an hour. So I'll do some cutting and we should be all right. But uh, anything else you'd like to add before we go? No, Matt. I shit you having me on. It's always it's always a pleasure getting to talk to you. I know this is this is great. I I, I enjoy. I say it a lot, but this is the best part. Like this recording, it's always, ner- I'm always nervous before we get started and, and uh, you know, you're worried, are you going to miss something? But really just like us talking, uh, you know, gets the ideas out of your head. It kind of ho- hopefully gets some perspective and hopefully uh, the people listening have, you know, some idea of, you know, they have ideas going around in their head and this is, this is us. And hopefully they're going like sitting in their car going like, ah, no, what are you talking about that for? It should be like this. And that's, that's good enough for me. Or they're going like, oh, these guys actually, you know, maybe understand a little bit. That, that's also good. Um, but oh sure. no, man, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna close my laptop and I'm gonna have to throw up my shields. Yeah, yeah. After this, for all the all yeah, the right. hatred that's that's coming this way, but <laughs> you'll also have some hatred if you don't get that bed set up before Mama Mia's over. So oh my, um, well, <laughs> you know, these, these beds are just sitting here, and I like they're 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 propped up against the wall and i i just don't have any sort of desire to try and put this together right now so sorry that's uh, all good did you go to ikea no no i well that, that would have been awful <laughs> put, put together this bed <laughs> no i i got it from my mom ah, there you go there you go yeah. all right man well <laughs> uh thank you for talking with me and uh we will talk to you soon yeah man i'll i'll talk to you later That does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed it. Special thanks goes out to Blake Hampton for joining me and also leading the James Ward Prowse hate train. You can send your fan mail or your criticisms of him at Blake A. Hampton on Twitter. Um, He's a big boy. He can take it. And I know that not everybody loves James Ward Prowse, but I know a lot of people do. Um, I love him too. Um, We'll just let it go. Anyway. Uh, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can do so on Twitter or Instagram at SFC D E L L underscore I V E R Y. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. You can email the show at Southampton delivery at gmail.com. Uh, or you can submit a question on Twitter using SFC Dell or sending a direct message or however you want. the show and you haven't yet done so please be sure to subscribe on itunes stitcher acast google play TuneIn radio or wherever you listen to podcasts if you're an itunes user or an apple podcast user please consider leaving a review it really does help spread the show to other people if not that's okay just share the show with somebody uh, encourage them to listen and show them how to subscribe if they don't know Shout out to our partner, the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For all your Saints FC news and needs, be sure to visit the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. The links are in the show notes. Get on board with that. Once again, the logo is designed by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. The new one that he just did will be up in a few weeks. All music for this episode comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. 
The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. And the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Potty Timber. Links to those are in the show notes if you need. Uh, and as always, my name is Matt Markson. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed it. And uh, until next time, remember that together, we march on. Thank you.